let's say you have a short-term rental and all of a sudden your short-term rental is not performing and you cannot keep that short-term rental afloat because it's so expensive and you don't have the money to pay the mortgage and the, all the expenses, then you have a backup plan, which is you could actually sell it uh, and still make a profit. Yeah. We just recently attended um, one of our mentors is Keith Cunningham. And we attended one of his conferences called How to Buy an Egg or Exit a Business. And one of the things he was talking about is how to evaluate businesses. And he was saying, always plan for a contingency of a drop of about 20% revenue and figure out what you could do during that time. I think that's a really great rule to apply to real estate as well. What happens if your bookings for a short-term rental drop by 20% or you have 20% vacancy on your property? What's going to happen? How how much are you going to be in the hole? Is there anything you can do to mitigate that risk now? And if that were to happen, what are you going to do then? Have those plans ahead of time. Have you ever dreamed of owning a vacation home? What if it could double as an investment property that makes you money and helps you save on taxes? Our new course, Accelerating Wealth, short-term rental blueprint will teach you how to purchase and set up your short-term rental the right way. Learn more about the course at semiretiredmd.com slash str hyphen course. Are you interested in learning more about owning your own portfolio cash flowing rentals? If so, we invite you to take our free mini course, the crash course in cash flowing rentals. When you take our mini course, you'll learn the strategies we use to build our portfolio you also get to see several of our students featured who have successfully built their own portfolios as well. To take our crash course, link to semiretiredmd.com forward slash mini course, M-I-N-I dash C-O-U-R-S-E, or visit our website at semiretiredmd.com and link to the crash course on cash flowing rentals there. You may also want to join a waitlist for our introductory course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals, while you're at our website too. We'll see you there. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Welcome to another episode of the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast. Today, Kenji and I are going to be talking about some of the key lessons we learned from investing in real estate during the pandemic. And we think these lessons are really important to be sharing with you today, because who knows what's going to be coming in the next year or two. A lot of experts, as well as us, think that there is a downturn coming. And we know that a lot of the lessons we learned in the COVID downturn, even though it was tiny, really do apply to what's going to be coming down the road for all of us real estate investors. And we think that some of the things we'll be sharing with you today, you'll be able to apply when the downturn does come. Yeah, so let's kind of dive in. Uh, The first uh, lesson that we learned was that income-producing residential properties continue to be a solid investment. Now, that's assuming that they cash flowed really well, and that you also forced appreciation. And let me talk about the cash flowing really well. The reason why you need to have make sure that the property is cash flow really well is that if there is vacancy, like there was during COVID, uh, where people were not paying rents, and so that's actually called economic vacancy, it wasn't physical vacancy, 
people are actually still in the units. They just weren't paying. And so you needed to make sure that you can get through those times. If you have a really good cash flowing property, you can get through a lot easier than if you're just barely cash flowing. And a lot of what we were lucky is we were investing in a lot of multifamily properties. Everybody needs a home. And so even during COVID, people still need homes. And so there was a lot of stability and reduced risk that comes from investing in places where people live, residential properties. What we did see was we saw a lot of the losses that people took as real estate investors happen with short-term rentals and with commercial properties like offices. And so short-term rentals, for example, if you're catering to one type of tenant, so vacation rentals, a lot of vacation renters went away. And even in cases where vacation renters didn't go away, there were there were times where people actually couldn't rent their properties. So when you think about Hawaii that was closed down for, I don't know, six or eight months where people couldn't go and have vacation in Hawaii, that really affected a lot of uh, our students who had properties in Hawaii. They didn't have any sort of vacation renters coming to their place. Now, it's important to point out that once things did open up, short-term rentals were actually really hot for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that has since cooled off uh, since uh, COVID is, has ended. But it was it was really volatile, right? It was up and down. Uh, initially, it was down. Then it was really high up, and then now it's down again. Uh, so uh, I, I think that that's important to important contrast compared to residential, which is a lot more stable during that time. And then we talk a little bit about office buildings. We own a mixed use property, and what we saw is our tenant could not pay for about four months, um, and they've since caught up. But Think about the businesses that had to be closed down and couldn't pay their rents. That was a real problem during COVID when everything was shut down. And so, again, there was a it, we found that our office was a little bit higher risk, which you know we already knew. We already knew that our short term rentals were higher risk, but it just proved the model that for us we really want a balanced portfolio with a lot of properties, but a lot a bulk of them to be long term rental residential. For that stability during time when times are tough. Yeah, I think that's the key. It's uh, uh this was predictable, right? We 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 knew that uh, we've known that residential properties are a lot more stable. Uh, and like you said, I just wanted to reiterate the importance of having that balanced portfolio. And also a balanced portfolio in that we have BC class multifamily properties as a lot of our properties. And so when the downturn does come, people who are losing their jobs, who are paying three, four, five thousand per month to rent are going to end up moving into our properties. And so we've been planning that for a long, long time as well. And I just felt very good that we had that stable kind of working class portfolio um, and not high end rentals that are going to be hit first during the downturn. Um, for example, even during COVID, you remember that you could, you looking across multifamily, the A-class properties, they had a hit in vacancy, whereas a lot of the BC-class properties did not. And so again, just to reiterate the importance of having a balanced portfolio, having a lot of long-term rentals in that portfolio, and then for us, focusing on BC-class multifamily adds that layer of stability. All right. So let's talk about the second key lesson. Uh, and the second key lesson uh, we touched on is is that risk mitigation is really important. We talked about one form of risk mitigation, which is to have a cash flowing property so that if you do have temporary vacancy, then uh, you, you're, you're going to be okay during those, during those times. But the other one that we talked about was forced appreciation. And what that is, is the type of appreciation that you can control. You can't control market appreciation, but forced appreciation is when you increase the value of the property by making really smart improvements on that property and something that we talk a lot about in our courses. Uh, and when you can force appreciation, the value of that property is going to be higher 
and you have a backup plan in case you have to get rid of that property. Um, so for whatever reason, let's say you have a short-term rental and all of a sudden your short-term rental is not performing and you cannot keep that short-term rental afloat because it's so expensive and you don't have the money to pay the mortgage and the, all the expenses, then you have a backup plan, which is you could actually sell it uh, and still make a profit. Yeah. We just recently attended um, one of our mentors is Keith Cunningham. And we attended one of his conferences called How to Buy an Egg or Exit a Business. And one of the things he was talking about is how to evaluate businesses. And he was saying, always plan for a contingency of a drop of about 20% revenue and figure out what you could do during that time. I think that's a really great rule to apply to real estate as well. What happens if your bookings for a short-term rental drop by 20% or you have 20% vacancy on your property? What's going to happen? How how much are you going to be in the hole? Is there anything you can do to mitigate that risk now? And if that were to happen, what are you going to do then? Have those plans ahead of time. Yeah. And it's important to think about different things that could happen, not just COVID, but other things, other other economic forces or even natural disasters, right? You want to think about all different possibilities. Now, the likelihood of those things happening are going to be very different. Um, and the other important part of this is you may not be able to predict the specific event that's going to happen, but you can predict uh, a number of different categories of things that can happen. And when combined, uh, maybe they will account for exactly what happens. So for example, during 9-11, New York City apparently had a war room where they actually had plans for different types of things, like things like fires or smaller terrorist attacks. And uh, they couldn't predict what actually ended up happening. But they, when you combine all the different things that they had plans for, uh, they were actually pretty ready for uh, what ended up happening. Yeah, we actually think about this turn in terms of, again, a Keith Cunningham concept where he has a list out all the potential things that can happen to your business, give it a percentage chance of happening, and then see if there's anything you can do to lower the risk of it happening and lower the cost if it does happen. And like Kenji mentioned, there's a variety of things from environmental to legal to even the death of you um, that you can plan for ahead of time and think through the contingency plan and and have something in place. So when it happens, you can react a lot faster and a lot more effectively uh, because you planned it when you're not emotional and not in the moment. All right. The third key lesson uh, was that having recession-proof tenants really helped mitigate some of those temporary losses uh, from tenants who stopped paying during the initial phases of covid uh, and we had a whole podcast episode on this topic. Um, but uh, if you hadn't heard that topic, uh, ha haven't heard that episode yet, you know, in brief, you know, we have a, a number of recession proof tenants. Uh, and we've been, uh, you know, we, we've had these tenants really from the from from, from you know, from from the beginning, uh, we've had supported living. Uh, which is providing housing for people with intellectual disabilities. We have Section 8 tenants. We have some military tenants. We also have some veterans as well. So all of these tenants have rents that are paid by the government uh, or private organizations. Uh, and therefore, during the pandemic, what we found was we continued to get rent from these uh, tenant populations, and it really helped uh, mitigate some of those losses. And, and so we didn't have a big drop off uh, in rents uh, during the pandemic. Yeah, we were very fortunate to do very well during the pandemic. And uh, it really was a pressure test of our portfolio. And I'd say we did very, very well. Um, and so that's part of why we wanted to be here today to talk about this, because we want our, all of our followers, all of our listeners to do just as well when the, the downturn does come. Yeah. And this is something that, you know, you really have, you, you really want to think about way ahead of time, way before the event happens, right? So if we think about some of the, the, the tenant populations that we put in place, we put in 
place some of these tenants, uh, you know, six, seven years ago, right? So many, many years ago, uh, and we've, we've, uh, and since grown that. And so it's not something that we, you know, put in place a month before the pandemic happened. This was years in the making. And, and same thing here. What you want to do is you want to plan for many, many years down the road. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now, we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close a deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semiretiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. This week's podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals that will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the waitlist at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. Okay, the next uh, major point we wanted to make is that most tenants don't want to take advantage of this system. We unfortunately had a lot of tenants that did lose their jobs, were in tough, diff- difficult situations, but they tried their best to pay. And you know, even if they couldn't pay at that point down the road, they kind of made things up, especially I think about our tenant in our mixed-use property. That business was hit hard. It, it was teaching kids how to uh, play soccer after school. That, that was what it was. And with schools shut down and then with kids not being able to gather in groups, I mean, they lost all of their business and they managed to catch up uh, what they owed us. And so just our tenant base in general, incredible people who, you know, don't want to play the system and wanted to be able to pay rents. It's just in sometimes they weren't able to, but they did their best. Yeah, and it is important to kind of point out that uh, it is important to, to make sure you screen your tenants really well. There was definitely a difference between properties we inherited where we didn't actually do the screening or property managers didn't do the screening versus the properties that where we did uh, do the screening. And so that is a really important thing. You want to make sure that, uh, again, this is something that you you need to have good systems in place to screen tenants to uh, uh, you know, pick pick good ones. But what was really great was just to even see uh, how hard the tenants were were trying to pay pay their rents, and, and even many many months after, uh, even if they hadn't paid for many months, you know, they were still making it up afterwards. Another lesson is that prices didn't come down as expected. I think that us, as well as a lot of other experts, as well as, I mean, think about the day-to-day investor in the stock market. All of us expected that things were going to crash, things were going to stay down for a while. Um, In real estate, what happened was there was a period of uncertainty where people got scared. And some of our students did get really good deals. But that, that period was short. It was like a month or two max. And then everyone's confidence went up again. And the deals got even hotter. And there were bidding wars. And and so it didn't affect the market as we all kind of expected. And so I think a couple of points that come out of that is, is real estate is extremely strong. And again, there's not that much supply in the real estate market. 
Yeah. And if you really kind of look at the dynamics of what was going on, you know, interest rates being low, I think was really uh, an important factor in keeping the uh, housing market uh, doing really well. I mean, if it, with interest rates so low, investors were continuing to invest, people who, were, uh, who wanted homes, you know, they could afford them. But then on the flip side, there was still very little supply. There was little supply before the pandemic. But after the pandemic, I feel like the supply was even lower. And, and if you kind of just think about it logically, like who's going to sell a house in the middle of the pandemic? Uh, probably very few. So if you really think about it, step back and think about it with high demand and low supply, it wasn't very surprising that the housing market continued to stay hot. The next one is landlord friendliness. And I really think this is an important one to address because a lot of our properties are in Washington state. We have properties in other states as well. And Washington state ended up being one of the least landlord friendly states. And, you know, that's something we kind of knew. Go, I mean, we knew going in, um, but I don't think we expected to what level it was going to be unfriendly to the landlord. So, you know, a lot of people are going out and investing from our courses and they're wondering what kind of factors they should bring into their market choice. And I think that this is one of those things that showed us how important it is to have a landlord-friendly state. Yeah, that's a that's a really great point. Uh, and what I think helped us a lot was those recession-proof tenants. Uh, if we didn't have those uh, recession-proof tenants, uh, then I think we would have taken a bigger hit during that time. Uh, although, again, you know, the government really stepped in and provided uh, rent relief. And so a lot of that money came back, but there was a period of time where there was a revenue gap. Uh, and you could have been, you know, if you didn't have savings, if you didn't have uh, money uh, in the bank account to uh, to pay for it, uh, then uh, then then you might have been in trouble. And and I think that is another lesson is that you want to make sure you have reserves uh, so that you can get through unexpected things that might happen. And what you just mentioned as well is is that rent relief and ultimately a lot of our tenants did not pay, uh, apply for rent relief. And in fact, the property managers had to fill out the paperwork. For them. And so I think it just reiterates the importance of having a great property manager who was able to stay on top of the tenants and help them, you know, make sure that they actually applied for rent relief because it's so, so, it was so important to us as landlords to be able to collect some of that back rent that uh, the government was just giving out. But if you didn't apply, you weren't going to get it. All right. The last key lesson from investing in real estate during the pandemic, I think this is one of the most important ones. Uh, and so we, we kind of left it for last, but this is how you deal with uncertainty. Uh, and there was a lot of uncertainty with COVID. If you just kind of think about, you know, we, we didn't know how long it was going to last. Uh, there were so many changes in laws at all different levels, national, state, city. Uh, so you, people didn't know how to deal with the eviction moratorium. These were like new laws that were put in place. Um, there were shifts in the, in markets. Um, and so, uh, the bottom line is that uh, I think uh, the people who who could deal with uncertainty uh, were the ones who thrived and did what did well during the pandemic. Certainty is an illusion. You never have 100% certainty and you certainly don't have 100% certainty doing investments. There are always risks with investments. The more comfortable you can get with uncertainty, the more you're going to thrive because things are going to happen that you never predict. Things are going to happen that lead you to feel kind of emotional or shaky. And if you can deal with those things and just understand that the only certainty comes from within and the certainty is that you can handle anything that comes your way. It's certainty in your resourcefulness. That's the only certainty you really can have. And so the more you can get comfortable with uncertainty, the better you're going to do when things happen. And, you know, going into a possible recession in the next year or two, there is going to be a lot of uncertainty. But if you can manage your mind and you can be okay and you can be uh, that rock in the middle of the uncertainty, having certainty in yourself, 
then you're going to do so much better during the periods of time when there's a recession, because you're going to be able to act with a level of confidence that other people are not when they're just, they just want to go hide in the cave. And you walk out of the cave and say, okay, this is what's going on. I know that there's some risk here, but I can manage my mind and I know that I'm capable of figuring anything out. Let me go buy some properties at really great deals and I'm going to figure it out. And if you can do that, it's going to make a big difference in your investment career. Yeah, really don't don't just sit back and assume that nothing can be done. That's the easiest thing to do is just kind of kick back and say, just throw up your hands and say nothing can be done. Uh, there are there are many things that you can do. Uh, it all comes down to your resourcefulness uh, and uh, and and just go out and take action. That's the difference between somebody who you know who is successful and who is not successful is uh, who who can deal with that uncertainty, who takes action in the face of uncertainty, uh, and and those people are the ones that are going to come out on top when there is something like the pandemic. Yeah, I think Nelson Mandela says courage is not the absence of fear. It's having fear, but doing it anyway. And that's what we're talking about. Um, but doing it from a level of confidence, inner confidence, uh, and getting that inner certainty from yourself when everything else around you seems so uncertain. Well, hopefully you learned a lot about our key lessons from investing in real estate during the pandemic that you can apply when the downturn does come to your real estate portfolio. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a five-star review on um, podcast and we will see you next time. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.